This week on the Property Punks podcast, we sit down with Charlie, a property developer that describes himself as a kind of muddy boots kind of guy, which we love. And we get into more detail like that during the podcast. He shares the highs and lows of working as a property developer, as well as sharing his tips, insights and knowledge into the industry that you'll be able to use yourself. And believe it or not, even though he claims that he is terrible at pub quizzes, he takes part in our property quiz and does very well. If you think you can beat Charlie, then try at home and write down your answers along with us. Hello punks, welcome to this episode of the Property Punks podcast. Today I am joined by Charlie, Managing Director of Edinburgh Construction, a complete design and build construction company that can take anyone's dream project from an idea all the way to a ready to move in home. Charlie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I've been very impressed by your set so far. It's uh, turning out to be a good a good evening. Yeah, well it's not just a one-man band situation this, it's, uh, it's a proper production see that now when it comes to property building designing and renovating i feel like there are two types of people out there number one you're the person who watches homes under the hammer is eager to give everything a go and happy to get their hands dirty into a project then there is number two people who believe tackling a building project is too intimidating believe they don't have the technical knowledge or experience and try to keep arm's length away from any kind of renovation or building. Before Edinburgh construction, what type would you say you were? I'm definitely, I think, what you'd call a muddy boots kind of guy. Um, My my background's construction, that's where all this came from. Left school a couple of months before I turned 16, fell into construction, loved it, and pursued quite a happy career in it at quite a a young age. Um, And yeah, got through my trade, Uh, got into project management, was really enjoying it. I thought this is for me. And back in 2018, a few circumstances happened. Uh, In hindsight, for the better at the time was a bit of a challenge. But I always wanted to start my own business, start my own company, construction firm. uh, And that's now come into fruition with Edinburgh Construction. So we've been going since 2018. We're actually having our fourth birthday party on Friday. Um, it's four years in, but it feels like 40 years. Um, and yeah, I think we've we've come quite a long way uh, from the muddy boot days. Um, but in, in answer to your question, we're definitely a, a roll your sleeves up, hands-on type company. We're all construction people. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're mostly trade backgrounds and we all love what we do, essentially. It's, it's a real passion project for us. I love how you start about quite humble beginnings about being an apprentice. You know, when I've spoken to some construction firms or hang out with contractors, the apprentice is always kind of the butt of all jokes. They're kind of the one that people tease and, and kind of, whilst it's a great experience, what was your sort of apprenticeship experience like? Uh, exactly what you just described. Um, I mean, it is what it is. You're, you're not just learning a trade, you're, you're learning who you are. Uh, and I think the people that you, you surround yourself with uh, at that time in your life is completely influential as to who you become. And I'm incredibly grateful for the people that I got to surround myself around and very fortunate to have learned under some fantastic people. Um, so I think it's incredibly important. You can't take it too seriously. Yeah, the prints are the butt of jokes, this, that and the other, but 
they play a fundamental part of the building process. Um, you know, passing on trades and passing on skills is is the, the future generations of our industry, and we can't underestimate that. So yeah, you can have fun. You've got to enjoy it. At the end of the day, whether you the apprentice or you're at direct level, you still get made fun of. You know, you still get uh, you're still the butt of jokes. It's all just part of the fun. You know, mm. you've got to enjoy it. At the end of the day. And how did that feeling go from when you were working as a contractor to then taking the plunge into your own sort of business? What really motivated that? Um, I was a terrible employee. Um, I was I was the guy who was always, you know, I know best, this is how I'm going to do it, blah, 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 blah. And annoyed some people, but unfortunately for them, I guess it did work, you know. So I did see some early success in my career and got put in some roles that had a good level of responsibility which I really enjoyed I've always been someone to push myself and challenge what I'm capable of capable of so I think I always had it coming that I'd want to start my own business and when it did actually come to it it was a little bit of maybe the universe giving a prod and a push you know I was I was working for a company um, overseas I'd I left Scotland when I was early twenties uh, and had a f- had a few jobs and then landed quite a good uh, successful career uh, in project management, client side project management. And it was going really well. I was really enjoying some of the projects I was getting into, but our clients were predominantly developers, and I was involved a lot in hotel developments, uh, which were often developer backed. And the client would turn up on a three, three to five year program of works for all of 30 seconds. They'd rock up in their Bentley or their Rolls, they'll look around, they shake your hand, they get back in and drive off. And I thought, heck, I'm, I'm at the wrong end of this deal. Um, so that I always had that play in the back of my mind. But at the same time, I love being that, as I said before, that muddy boots kind of character. So I had it in the, I had it on the horizon that I start my own company and then um, I had a funny old, a funny story. I was working between uh, India and New Zealand, Australia and America. And uh, to cut a long story short, there's a bit of a screw up in my paperwork and I got booted out of the country that I was working in. Uh, the company I was working for kind of freaked out and what was going to happen, blah, 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 blah. But it was essentially my catalyst for going, you know what, now's the time. And I remember I was put back on a flight to, to London and I arrived in Heathrow. Uh, you know, the, the background was this was completely unexpected. I had the job, had the house, had a good career. Everything was made, really enjoying it. And then uh, one issue and I'm on a flight back to London. And I remember uh, arriving in Heathrow at Greg's of all places, taking a seat, having a cup of tea. And I don't know if your listeners are all UK based, but if, if they're not, Greg's is, you know, the the epitome of a, of a kind of humble cup of tea. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's yeah. Um, it's quite funny that you're contractors, because that's kind of like the first place they go. Six oh, in the yeah. morning, Greg's is the spot. Greg, Greg's is where it's at, you know. But I remember sitting down and thinking... God, you know, what am I going to do now? And it just came to me, you know, it's now's the time. You've been thinking about starting your own business, so so what what better time than the present? Um, and being the kind of character that thought everything was easy, 
uh, I just launched straight in and, and very quickly learned how difficult it was. Um, made lots of mistakes, lots of hiccups along the way, but yeah, we're 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 still going, and um, you know, we're I think we're we're on our way to uh, to building something that's that we're we're proud of. Mm-hmm. I love how you said like difficult. You said difficult there, like really with a lot of emphasis there. I, I know from previous experience, you know, businesses is not always like what it seems like on Dragon's Den or what it looks like on YouTube or on any of these sort of reality programs. What was the most biggest challenge you faced in your business early doors? I think, I mean, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. It's, it's learning just to cope with stress and difficulties. I think... A huge part of running a business and again I'm really early days in, in my career in this so I've got a long long learning curve ahead of me but one thing that I've I've realized today is it's it's consistency that counts and there's no end to the amount of BS that gets thrown at you it's just consistent and it's your ability to just take it and get on and take it and get on and take it on and you never know what's around the corner and you know start a construction company you think okay I'll be out building houses and this, that and the other. I've, you know, I've, 99% of my time is sat behind a screen just dealing with rubbish. And uh, I think it's, it's just accepting that has been the biggest challenge. It's, it's not glamorous, it's not fun all the time, but those moments where you have those breakthrough periods and you achieve some success or you get over a goal uh, or make an achievement that's been a real struggle. That satisfaction just completely counters all the all the rubbish that took you to got there. So it's it's very difficult. And I was very naive getting into all this. You know, I I left um, I left New Zealand where I was working before. You know, with a little bit of cash saved up, thought I'll start a business. Blah blah blah. blah. And um, yeah, how naive was I? You know, <laughs> just you know when you hire staff and you buy tools and equipment and then you know the tax man comes and then you've got this and that and I had it in my head that I was I was going to get into property as well so um, myself and um, uh, a colleague of mine who I met in Glasgow we we bought a couple of flats in Glasgow and uh, yeah I thought it was going to be easy you just buy this and you do it up and you rent it out it's great or you flip it my God, could it really be further from the truth? You know, the things that come up and the the challenges that gets thrown thrown at you and dealing with the people—it's it's hard and it never ends. But I think if you can just get comfortable with that, uh, that's that's probably the biggest challenge—just getting comfortable with the fact that it's painful and it's not fun, but the satisfaction is worth it when you see it. Totally. And I think what I kind of took away from that is very similar to what a few of other guests have talked about, which is all about about sort of managing emotions. While student directly said that was what I was immediately thinking about. If you're able to stay cool, calm, and collected in the face of you know challenges, you're kind of on this the right path to being successful within the industry. Because if you fall in love with something, get upset easily, don't have thick enough skin, that's when things can kind of spiral out of control definitely you, you've got to balance yourself I mean yeah you've got to enjoy it obviously but you can't let that carry you away um, I think good measure uh, being diplomatic you know when when problems are, are thrown at you and we, we talk a lot about this within our team it's just having a balanced approach it's easy to get hot-headed it's easy to get sucked into dramas it's you know when 
someone's falling out on site or you know when the architect's breathing down your neck or the client's not happy or whatever it's easy to get sucked into it um, but I think if you are the type of character that can take a breath step back look at the situation try and manage the people uh, it, it, it can go a long long way you know you I think in this game it it becomes less and less about actually building buildings and more and more about just managing people and, and that comes with the emotions and the dramas and the stories and the scandals and all that stuff you know if you can just stay clear of that um, I think we, we were talking about this again off before we started recording it, it's it's the boring companies that I think do well you know the ones that just have their systems they just turn up they do their bit and they rinse and repeat uh, and that's what we're trying to to, to implement as, both, as best as we can so what I'm really curious about is what does a post-pandemic dream home look like for your clients and homeowners? What are people requesting more? Is there any features? Is there any attributes for property that people are really passionate about now after the pandemic? It's an interesting question. We're definitely seeing a trend for more rural properties. I think obviously with the introduction of the working from home or the hybrid model, People are realizing that they don't need to sit in a traffic or commute or sit in a train to get into the city center every day. And the money that they spend on a property in an urban environment is going to get them far less for their buck than if they're to go out of town. Um, so definitely seeing a strong trajectory for people buying rural properties, somewhere with a larger garden, they can get more bang per buck, you know, per square meter. That's That's been very, very obvious. Um, I mean, who who knows where where all this is going? You, you know yourself, it, the the property markets is nuts at the moment, and post pandemic can be looked at in so many different ways. I mean, you know, you know, rising energy costs right now is, is a huge one. So we're we're also seeing a lot of interest in sustainable technologies, alternative heating sources um, is a big one. Whether that's directly linked to the pandemic or not, I'm not sure, um, but it's certainly of a lot of interest. So. For, for us, we're having to learn a lot very fast about these new technologies, um, heating sources, utility sources, um, water treatment systems. And I think slowly but surely the local authorities are also picking up on that. Uh, and, you know, as you know, we're, we're having building regulations being looked at and, and new changes on the horizon. So a few different things. Um, and I think over the pandemic as well, by design, with the self-isolation, a lot of people are spending a lot more time in their homes. And we've certainly had a few clients that I think have learned themselves exactly what they want because they're spending much more time in their home. So whereas before people might have been a bit more open to ideas or just open to more of the generic grand designs type themes, people are, I think, are understanding their own tastes a lot more uh, and being a lot more specific with material choices, specifications, quality of product um, you know before paint was paint you know now I want this specific type of paint and it's got to come from this company and etc etc so I think it is changing a lot I mean we're a very young company and we're still learning but when I speak to, to the the guys who have been in the game a lot longer than I have they're saying the same thing you know there's there's definitely a a, a change in, in people's taste and what people are expecting and uh, you know we've just got to adapt and go with that 
Brilliant. And I, I would completely agree with you that. And I would describe it as that it's always going to change. You, you'll see things like old school contractors and builders say, oh, this was something that we talked about in the 80s or this was something we talked about in the 90s. So it will come round again. But yeah, it was interesting your, your feedback there on sustainability because I do know that's a really hot button topic at the moment. What I was going to ask you is at Edinburgh Construction, would you be able to sort of describe and sort of summarise the sort of building process that you'd go through from a client, from idea to the finished product. Would you be able to just talk us through what that actually looks like? To be honest with you, there's no, there's no common denominator uh, as such. We we tackle a few areas of the industry. So we we do our own developments uh, where we we might buy land or buy uh, buy property and build new homes ourselves. That's becoming a larger part of the business where the process is us identifying where there's certain demands or certain shortages of housing stock in, in specific communities and us trying to find ways to make that happen. So that's very much internally driven. Um, but then the flip side of that is our contracting side of the business, which is, you know, it, it could be anything. You know, we had. Um, we had one recently. I won't. I won't name any names, whereby a client designed their kitchen based on a particular painting that they loved. There's nothing to do with the kitchen and the painting. It was, but it was, it was extremely abstract. It was all about colours and materials. So, it really can be anything. Um, but I suppose our job is really to to sit and listen, try and understand what's needed, what's required. Um, and that's across the board, whether we are working for a client or whether it's one of our own developments, we're trying to understand what is needed. There's no point in doing something that's your own ideas uh, just because you like it. You've, you've got to see what's, see what's needed um, from, from the client or from the community. Um, and then it, it, after that, it depends on what stage of the journey the client's at. Sometimes they've already got an architect, an engineer, a whole design team appointed. Sometimes they, they phone us up and go, right, I want to build a house, but I've got no idea where to start. And it's just about, again, us sitting down, us understanding what stage of the journey that they're at. If they've got a design team, we'll quickly establish communications, plug ourselves into the process so far, um, offer input if it's necessary. If not, you know, we'll just adopt the, the, the builders. We'll just do as we're told. And then, you know, as soon as you get into the build process, I guess it's a lot more uh, common you know, once we've got drawings issued and we understand the design, it's just a case of getting on with it. Um, you know, obviously there's changes, clients come on site, they want things different, you know, it's one thing looking at a drawing compared to seeing it in the flesh. So you do still have to retain a certain amount of flexibility and, and, and working with the clients in that sense. Um, but yeah, just everybody's different, you know, and that's, that's the challenge, but also the the enjoyment. You know, if it, if it was boring, everybody doing. It. And I think with Edinburgh Construction as well, that's the the the, the market sector that we focus on. Um, we, we tend not to do the 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 kind of large house bashing type contracts. You know, we we are more bespoke. Um, you know, I, I've I've got friends who are running companies that do really really well in their in the kind of rinse and repeat sector um, but certainly for what we do every day is different um, and 
for us that's that's what we enjoy that's what keeps it fun and that's what makes it exciting i couldn't agree more with you now if there's someone out there listening to this and they were thinking about take tackling either their own project or their own renovation what in your opinion would be the sort of essential skills they would need to making that successful if they're building their own home i don't think there's any skills as such i think not rushing understanding what you want is is critical um there's nothing worse than kind of launching in directionless we we have it a lot whereby we'll have a client come in and go oh i don't really care you know we'll just make it work blah 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 and then you get a few months in and they start to realize oh i wish i thought about this i wish i thought about that and that can be the costly projects so i think um the 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 ones that understand what they want tend to do the best uh, and skills you know it's just, just the, the basic soft skills that make everything work good communication um is critical you know with any any builder client relationship we all want to achieve the same thing you want your house built we want to build your house um so you know having the ability to work together um is, is critical you know we see it more as a partnership rather than a, a uh, a kind of client relationship so you know I, I, I wouldn't be intimidated about understanding every n- nut and bolt of the construction industry you don't need to you know that's what contractors are there for we're there to help and help guide you and hold your hand and help you uh, make the decisions that are right for you um, and yeah I think, that, I think that's it it's like anything you do isn't it it's just having Having the right mindset and the right approach is, is what's critical, and not getting too caught up in the in the uh, in the noise of it all. Yeah, I I love that word communication because that's something that's talked about a lot in property, and I, I kind of personally believe that that by communicating as best you can, as early as you can, can mitigate a large chunk of the problems that you might have. Because sometimes it could just be an email taken the wrong way, or a direction taken the wrong way, and you know, effective communication can really help to mitigate that. Now, for Men's Mental Health Week, you welcomed Help Inside the Hard Hat, a campaign to raise awareness about poor mental health within the industry. Um, this was something that was new to me, that in the UK, two construction workers take their own lives every working day, and stress and anxiety and depression account to a fifth of all work-related illnesses. What did it mean to you to be a part of a campaign like this? For me, personally, it's been a massive eye-opener. I mean, I think the, the common perception of the construction industry is, you know, strong men who are very self-assured and, you know, un, you know understand who they are and this, that and the other. But to put it, put it frankly, we're, we're a soft bunch. Uh, and I think that, that that stereotype adds to the problem is that there's an expectation for men in these environments to act a certain way. And um, huge, huge shout out to the the Lighthouse Group, who who we've um, been really, really proud to to work alongside with over the past year and moving forward as well. They they came up to one of our sites just a couple of weeks ago and did a talk to the guys about mental health, and it's amazing when you start to go down the rabbit hole, just how many people this touches. You know, I think um, I think a lot of people 
could relate to holding things internally and it just takes a conversation to be started and people start to you know tell their stories about things that they've been through and things that they felt and things that they've understood and you know some of the stories that have came out is is, is gut-wrenching and the, the statistics that you mentioned um, only reinforces that so Lighthouse Group are doing some fantastic things to bring awareness to the conversation to make it less of a taboo I mean I don't know how many construction welfare canteens you've hung about but the conversation is rarely touchy-feely uh, it's um, it's not a, a common thing for for people to talk about their emotions or feelings and I think to, to introduce a little bit of normalization around some of these topics is, is huge and very impactful so it's been it's been really really powerful and it's been brilliant to see the response as well from the guys you know I, I didn't expect it in fact um, I didn't expect to have the response that we did have uh, and uh, you know we, we just want to keep on doing that and, and encourage you know our guys uh, and uh, to talk to us and Ex express how they're feeling and what they're going through and, and let us know how we can further support them and then other construction companies as well you know we're we're, we're a small unit we're an odd bunch of people you know but we're all going through similar things so we should be able to have a conversation around it uh, and if any if anybody's uh, interested in the lighthouse group are doing some fantastic things and there's, they've got some brilliant resources you know the help inside the hard hat campaign they've developed an app where you can go in and, and find lots of really great information about simple things like managing finances uh, exercise eating right sleep it's, it's the simple things that can really make or break your your mental state uh, and they shouldn't be underestimated so it's it's exciting for me because it's it's a whole world that um i think with very little input can have massive output um, and something that we're really excited to to keep on exploring excellent no, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people, not only in your office, but in the industry, that'll get a whole lot of benefit to what they're doing. Brilliant. Now we'd like to move on to one of my personal sections. It's been so, for me, I've actually really enjoyed our conversation that we've had, just learning a little bit more about you and about the tips and tricks that you would give people. Um, however, now you're getting into the hot seat. We're now moving on to what I've created is two passions of mine, property and pub quizzes. Um I've talked about this on previous podcasts, but I used to have a rival team and they used to kind of have a bit of banter between us and now it's now bled into my, my work life now. Um, how do you feel about quizzes? What would be your mastermind specialist subject? I'd be a disaster. Anybody out there, do not invite me to be on your pub quiz team. I'm just like a, like a deer in the headlights for such things. I'm 100% there in the enthusiasm, um, but, uh, you know, I'm... I, I don't profess to be a mastermind in anything. Uh, you know, I'm the school dropout, you know, builder. I would not sell yourself <laughs> short there. I would not sell yourself short. Every team needs a motivator, so that could maybe be you. Yeah, because, oh, sure. yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be buying the drinks and... Uh, that, that's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the most important part of the, the, of the team. That's the, the key part of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, brilliant. We've got a few simple questions and we'll see how you get on. We'll have a little bit of discussion about each of the answers. Sure. So, question number one. Claw, sledge, and ball peen are all types of what? You got an easy on me. Yeah, it's a hammer, of course. Yeah, it's... I, I actually, I actually was quite interested. Earlier on, you were talking about when you were starting your business. You mentioned, and I got to get tools. 
um, I don't think people quite realise about like how long it as a sort of normal DIY person takes to get their tools, but also like the costs and how technical they can get. Um, for you guys, is there any specific tools that you guys use, or is there any brands that you would recommend? Oh, it's it's a personal thing. I mean, for us, you know, when I started editing for construction. I guess I, I had big plans, so it's a little bit different from, you know, for example, someone making a decision to go self-employed. But, you know, I was, I was kind of ramping up to build a fully-fledged construction firm. So, you know, the, the costs were flattening, absolutely flattening. These things are not cheap. Um, and, and, you know, particular brands, something good you don't have to you don't have to go for the rolls royce you know everybody's different i, I can name a few names but uh, I'll, I'll just get given given crap for it you know i've, I've got my personal favorites um but you know uh, different tool types you know call on different brands as well but just i think a common a common thing to say is just to invest in good quality there's nothing worse than a rubbish piece of gear um, and for what we do as well we're we're buying equipment not for it's not for me personally it's for the team so i need to be comfortable that everybody that uses that tool is going to be comfortable using it and not to forget these are tools that can chop off digits and chop off limbs um so you, you know something that can be pulled out of the store and anybody can quickly and comfortably use so there's lots of brands available i'm not going to get into which is the best because that's a whole other podcast that we, <laughs> that we could have um, but yeah, quality. Don't don't skimp on cost. I definitely say that. I think that's good advice. Question number two: Where would you find a party wall? Party wall. It's not as fun as it sounds, but party short for partition is the wall separating two properties. Excellent. See, you're on a roll. So you could make this pub quiz. Well, I think you're you're easing me in. Yeah, you're easing me in. But uh, it's it's an interesting conversation because, as I'm sure you know, it's. Uh, there's party wall regulations, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that's very important when in the design phase, you know, with acoustics and fire safety, you know, you know, and obviously in recent years, we've had some tragedies with, with, with fire, fire safety and design. So, um, yeah, there's lots, lots of considerations to go into a simple wall. Mm -hmm. Totally. Question number three, a waterproof material that keeps moisture out of a house is called a what? So there's a few different things that could be. Okay. So if it's to keep moisture out, it could be tanking, it could be a membrane, could be a damp proof membrane. I think I could be wrong here, but the definition of membrane is it lets uh, water vapor out, but doesn't let water in or something along those lines. So if it's purely to keep water out, I'd say tanking, but I could be wrong. I have here flashing. Flash, well, yeah, flashing keeps water out, yeah, around, around windows and other apertures, yeah. You're on such a good roll. I'm having to look at my <laughs> answers here, make sure that you're not, like, cheating and looking no, at my no, answers. No, here. That's I, the first I time we've done it in person, so I didn't I anticipate <laughs> that would be a, a, an element. Um, the, the reason why I kind of picked that question is because, you know, you kind of talked about it, about not necessarily being the glamorous side. Yes, of course, putting in stunning kitchens, putting in a glorious bathroom, you know, yes, that's the fun and exciting part of it, but flashing might be that thing that people might not necessarily think of, or even any of the ones that you talked about there. Um, is that something people will be intimidated by, or is that the point where they get a contractor in to sort of advise? 
people shouldn't have to worry about such things. That's why you hire professionals. Um, you know, that's what design teams are for. You know, flashings are one of thousands of components that goes into building a house. I mean, to answer your question, what keeps moisture out is pretty much everything that you see on mm -hmm. the outside of the building keeps moisture out. It's, it's one of the functions of a building. Um, but if someone's wanting to build a house, do they need to know what flashing is? No. You know, um, you just need to understand the basics of a house or a building, uh, whatever type of space it is has to meet certain criteria and there's a whole host of thought and design process that goes into that but you certainly don't need to know the nuts and bolts. Brilliant. Question number four. Slab, basement and crawl space are all types of what? Uh, well, floors I guess would be a, a primitive answer. I mean, um, you know, a crawl space relates to a solemn. Um, Slab, you know, you could have a concrete slab, which is your subfloor. Um, basement is, yeah, I guess another subfloor. Mm. Um, so. Kind of the right answer. What I've got here is foundation. Yeah, yeah, form, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Question number five. What is the average cost for a home renovation project in the UK? It's a bit of a, how long is a piece of string? Question. Yeah, yeah, yeah you true. Because if you're, because you can go as wild and as reserved as you want. Right. Really, you can be really handy and get all your stuff off of eBay, yeah. or you can go to you know some luxurious design shop and, and yeah. pick up all your stuff from there. That's right. I mean, you you could uh, on a long weekend do do a bit of your own DIY painting and decorating and not stretch the budget at all. Uh, you know, compared you know doing a city centre London mansion house you know <laughs> compared to doing you know um, even something here and you know in, in the Lothians is a vast question so well before it, it before be you answer sorry to interrupt just before you answer then what I'm curious about just before you hit us with your answer is there's always I feel like there's this push pull from clients and, and, and house builders where clients want to spend as little as money mm. and contract contractors want them to spend as much money because the bigger the budget the more flexibility there is is there any areas where not to say cut costs but is there any things that might not be necessarily as important to spend more or spend less on using your budget i think any contractor that wants you to spend as much money as possible is a contractor to stay away from to be honest um good contractors don't make their money by getting their clients to spend loads of money Good contractors make their make their money by doing a good job. Um, I think if you know, it's, it's not necessarily about okay, let's not use this material or about that material. I think it's the adage, you know, you you know, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. I think you know, it's again an, another kind of cliche saying is, um, you know, if if you um, think it's expensive to hire a professional, hire an amateur. I think just taking shortcuts to save costs is never a smart thing. Um, you can spend a lot of money and have a great end result. You can spend very little money, have a great end result, and vice versa. I think the, the size of the contract isn't a critical thing. I think it's how well you deploy your capital, how, how efficient you are with your capital. And to be honest, you just, you just need people that know what they're doing uh, to, to manage your budget well. It's not about how big your budget is, it's, it's how well it's managed, mm -hmm. I think would be my, my answer to that. Yeah. 
And I think that's actually even better than the, the actual answer. The actual answer for people at home was in around the £15,000 mark. Um, I, I, I wasn't too surprised by that number of straight away because I was trying to calculate it in my head and say, look, if you wanted a nice kitchen, you know, a nice bathroom, maybe a bit of decorating, you know, you could kind of reach that numbers there. Um, then if you get into house building, it probably gets substantially a lot more than that. But I was just, once again, something that I was quite interested by. Question number six, the last question. You're almost out of the woods here. You're almost out of the woods here. You can, you can chill out. Um, in Scotland, what would be a class C building? Oh, there's, there's, I think, well, there could be more, but there's two answers that I know. So it could be, well, class C is hot food. Am I correct? Restaurant in terms of use class? Uh, it, in, in terms of like, so the re- reason why I picked this question is because there are some buildings that you can do a renovation on. Oh, so you're talking listed. Yes. Listed buildings, yeah. So class C, my listing building knowledge isn't very strong. Um, class C is that, oh, I'm, I'm just stabbing at the dark here. You can do internals. I, I don't know. So the answer here is um, buildings of local importance, but not necessarily um, a fine example of a certain period, building type or style. Uh, okay. In Edinburgh, it's kind of common, like with old tenement buildings, they some of them might be classes, be a class C, or um, I'm trying to think of any other example. Sometimes you buy like old country manors or cottages, they might be a class C, um, and it might restrict how much developing you can do sure. of that particular yeah. building. I don't know. I know you talked a little bit about doing your kind of own development. Have you ever kind of touched on? I suppose maybe. Is it, have you had to do anything with classy buildings or buildings that had any restrictions on them? Oh yeah, we, we've worked on category A and category B. I've, I don't think I've worked on a category C, that's why I was quite curious. Um, we've, we've, yeah, in conservation areas as well, you know, um, where you need to get prior approval by the local authorities for external material choices and the likes. As you just pointed out, Edinburgh is a, is a, is a great example of, of of that, um, but uh, yeah, classy. I didn't have uh, fresh up in my head. It's not something that I've t- paid too much attention to. But yeah, we've we've done classy. Unfortunately, that's a real piece of work. Oh my god! Talking in terms of your last question, that's when things get expensive. Um, but um, yeah, no, classy is 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 something that I'd have to. I can't lie. On. I'm secretly a little bit proud. I'm like, yes, I got something that, <laughs> that Charlie didn't know. I'm like, yes, I'm taking that as a win for me. Uh, Charlie, thank you so much for taking part in the quiz. Thank you so much for coming by and taking the time to talk to us. I've definitely found it eye-opening and listening to your story has definitely inspired me and I'm sure it's inspired others to, to get involved and, and work with people like yourself there. Um, if people are passionate and want to get in touch with you, what would be the sort of best methods to do that? Um, just head along to our website, edinburghconstruction.com. There's all the um, relevant contact information there. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, all the usual stuff um, yeah or just put into google edinburgh construction you'll find us there thank you so much for joining us today charlie and if you listeners want to get more of your property punks fix you can follow us on instagram at property punks please also join our community page on facebook at property punks that is a fantastic space to share ideas get feedback Uh, network with other like-minded property people 
Until then, we will see you next time and make sure you subscribe to the Property Punks podcast so that you never miss an episode.